Hi, and welcome to The Grey Matters, a podcast where we talk about mental illness. I'm Jenny Herlihy, and on this episode, I chat with Maya about her all-or-nothing mentality, how that led to a stay at an inpatient program, and how she's doing so far. Her story is one of courage and strength, and it's a great reminder that we are not alone. Hey, Maya. Hi. (laughs) So I'm really glad that you decided to sit down with me finally. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It took a while, but... Yeah, so, um, yeah, we were just sitting here at our treatment center, and this is where I met you. Yes. And so I've known you for about six weeks almost. Feels like a lifetime. Yeah, I can't believe you've been here. Um, But yeah, I'm really thankful that you were able to um, get up the nerve to talk to me on this. Yeah. So I thank you. Um, So why don't we just start with talking a little bit about um, your history um, and what brought you here in the first place? Um, Okay, yes. Let's um, start with history. So basically, I'm here predominantly for addictive behaviors, I would say, like whether it's eating disorder or alcohol or I've just been like an all or nothing person since I can remember. Um, Kind of started for me in high school um, around like 14 is when I kind of like started developing um, control, like aspects of trying to control things. I lost my dad really suddenly when I was like 12 Mm -hmm. and that was a big thing for me and so I think like and I never really processed it so I think for me it's like at 14 when everyone was like going and like getting boyfriends and doing all these things and I was just kind of like I don't want to do that I just want to like control how I look and myself and Mm -hmm. I want to do that and so that kind of started when I was like 14 like I remember I got back from India and I weighed myself and I was like oh and I I was such a confident kid and I weighed myself and I was like oh whoa I've gained like five pounds and like my stepdad was kind of losing weight at the time and it was it wasn't like they were promoting dieting they were more just like oh yeah let's just like you can't have like seven bagels and donuts Mm -hmm. and like I I remember I used to have like a box of Subway cookies for lunch like I was literally eating like a seven-year-old so that kind of changed and that from there kind of escalate like I took it further Mm -hmm. um so really struggled have struggled with like just food in general since I was like 13 14 um on and off which really caused depression and anxiety like that's I would say is where I really remember being like like I feel so horrible I ate this I'm worthless I'm nothing like that kind of thing that's where it kind of that's where I got my first taste of like depression and anxiety is that like negative thinking because you had a hard time controlling it yeah and you were still growing yeah (laughs) totally and just like that person won't like me if I don't like totally aspects of like I have to look like this if I like if I want to feel good about myself, like that was something that was super ingrained in me, like mm-hmm. for some reason a very, so you had this rigid, rigid, yeah. rigid mentality of what you should look mm-hmm. like. You weren't meeting that mm-hmm. or you felt like you weren't meeting that. And so the depression started. Yeah. To- so I kind of had this high of like, I lost quite a bit of weight in grade 10 and I had kind of had this high of like feeling really good but I was like so OCD about food and exercise. And then basically it was just not sustainable. And I started like binge eating and that's where the the depression really came in. And then that kind of was on and off throughout high school. I got into like bulimia in grade 12 and that's kind of where shit hit the fan because like that was a very much all or nothing thing for me again, where it was like, I'm going to get into the best school in, in, like Canada and I'm going to do so well I went from like a C plus B student to like 95% average because I was just like so obsessed with it because and C is average yeah it was just like <laughs> screw you guys it was kind of again it was like screw you guys like I don't need like I don't need anyone I can just do this by myself I'm just going to be like really skinny and get into the school and then I'll feel good about myself and so that I really became depressed then I lost like a significant amount of weight like lost my period for like six months 
Um, my skin started to get super dry. Like it was not good. And that has kind of continued throughout um, like on and off, but like I really struggled with that throughout university. I struggled with it. And then just recently when I had another friend pass away suddenly, that's when the alcohol kind of came in as well. And it was like just not caring what just... It was like controlling, but controlling what you were feeling. Exactly. How much you were feeling about it. Yeah. How long ago did that happen? The alcohol? Yeah, Like, like, like the friend. That happened last... March. Okay. Yeah. And then, and that, and it was funny because like my eating disorder was actually kind of the best it had been in a very long time. You were in a good place. I was in a pretty good place. If I think about it, like we did our addiction history in treatment yesterday (laughs) and like I was writing out my alcohol. I've always been able, honestly, like if I think about it, I've always been able to like hold my liquor and Mm -hmm. I've always kind of drank a lot. Mm -hmm. So I think I have just that kind of alcoholic gene in me to a certain degree. Like I've never kind of drank socially. I've always the concept of like drinking to have a drink has never made sense to me like why would you do that it just doesn't make sense to me and it never has really and I don't know if that's a product of just like growing up and drinking the way I was in high school and then going to university and like having that lifestyle but you were far away from home when you went to university yeah totally had that like yeah that um that geographical distance between between things and yeah, I wonder how, like, so you started, so you had an eating disorder, it started off with, like, controlling the intake of food, controlling mm-hmm. your amount of exercise, mm-hmm. then you, it was kind of, like, anorexic, almost, where you wouldn't eat, or, or yeah, was it, it was mostly like binging, heavy, and then binging and purging? It was, like, no, it was, like, throughout high school, it was heavy restriction, mm-hmm. and honestly, throughout university as well, it was, like, restricting not being able to like continue restricting and then being like screw it and binging and that usually like had was aligned with drinking as well like when I was drinking I would always kind of end up binging or something and um and yeah so it was like restricting binging um sometimes purging but I would have like two or three days where I would just like be binging Mm -hmm. and like sometimes purging if I was like just way too full but it was it was horrible. It was really bad, and like that still happened up until basically I got here, like on and off. What would you feel about yourself when you were binging, or and would it change after you realized? Like, did you realize you were binging, or did it just happen because you were out of control? And then after, you would feel guilty or something. Like, did your feelings change throughout that? I always, for me, binging was like a complete escape from that control that I was like so strongly attached to and like that kind of I was I've always like ever since I can remember in terms of like maybe from 14 onwards I've always been consistently trying to be or someone else or to be somewhere else Mm -hmm. you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and it's like that moment of like being either really drunk or really or just like binging was such an escape for me, like, it was just that complete moment of, like, okay, I'm right here. And it was almost, we were talking about it the other day. I think I was talking about it to someone, and I said, it's almost, binging is almost, like, mind, like the toxic version of mindfulness. Because, like, you're so in your body, kind of, at that point. You're just, like, in that state of, like, I'm just going to eat everything I can. And it's such a, in such a negative way, you're very present in that moment. And you don't really care. and But you don't, but it's horrible. Like, I'm not promoting binge eating. No, <laughs> but, no. But, but yeah, yeah, that's but that's what it feels like. It's like that release of control. Is so, it was so... And I was completely aware. But, like, for me afterward, it was, like, the anxiety surrounding trying not to binge. And, like, I binged quite a bit when I first got to treatment because it was, like, they took away the alcohol. Mm-hmm. And it's always kind of gone back and forth. So it's I'm really it. okay with, like my eating if I'm able to kind of manage my eating I'm usually drinking a lot and that has kind of been a a pattern for like the past year so when I got here it was like pretty bad and now it's quite a bit more tame like the past two weeks have been pretty good actually so good for you yeah I'm trying it's been almost a decade that you've been struggling with this that's a long time like that's almost I mean that's not 
almost half your life, but I guess yeah, a little it's a bit. Long time. It's a long time. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's just it's amazing that um, that you're so aware of yeah. of what you feel and why you're doing it. It's like, and I've been told that by so many therapists, and like even like I. They always say, oh, you're so aware, like, that's so good. And I and I totally agree that, like, the awareness is really good. But before I came to treatment, like, I had that awareness, but it also just, like, didn't really give a shit. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I was completely aware of what was going on, but I'm like, okay, I'm aware, but I'm okay. still going to binge. Like, I'm still going to go out and get drunk. Like, I, it makes me feel good in the moment. I don't really care. And now I feel like that is kind of that awareness is kind of coming into alignment with, like, my actual actions, which is really nice to see, like, mm-hmm. after tre- like after being here so long. Did you, at the beginning, did you try to hide it from people? Um, I kind of came into treatment being, like, well, I came into treatment thinking I would maybe not drink for, like, a few months and that I would automatically be cured of bulimia and my eating disorder like I walked into the door walked in the doors and I was kind of like I'm cured and then and then I think I like threw up the next day and I was like what the setback yeah did you did you try to hide it like at the beginning when you were like 14 oh when I was 14 oh um I yeah, hiding it in treatment is is different. I didn't we'll, hide it we'll, in treatment. We'll get to that. But yeah. yeah, like when when you first started, did you even know what it was that you were starting, and did you try to hide it? Um, I think when I first started, it seemed pretty harmless. I think mm-hmm. to a lot to like most people. Again, like I was such a confident kid, so it was kind of just like, okay, yeah, I'm not gonna eat like a seven year old anymore. I'm gonna mm-hmm. eat pretty healthy, and like my family eats pretty healthy. So and like. My mom has never been a like a dieter in front of me. Like that's never been a thing. But right, like healthy okay. lifestyle and healthy eating has always been something that's like been promoted. Um, and like I was eating like shit, basically. Yeah. Like I was eating like a seven year old kid. Subway um, cookies, yeah, was really good. Though. So yeah, <laughs> they were they were delicious. They still are. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah. So it seemed pretty harmless at the beginning, and then I think like they did notice. Like, they noticed I was losing weight, but I never got, like, stick thin, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was never... I was pretty good at hiding it, um, and it didn't really become a big... I think they kind of started noticing, like, my obsession with it when I was like, okay, yeah, I weigh this much, and, like, I want to weigh this much now, and... But I but they didn't really say anything. Mm-hmm. Like, I think my mom was a little concerned, as like a girl, you know, she probably has like struggled with her own stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she like didn't say anything. And then I remember, I don't really remember, but I just remember coming into the kitchen like crying because I think I just, I think it was when I started binging mm-hmm. that I re- realized like, oh, this isn't normal. And that's when it was like, I would binge and I would just like restrict for like three days and thinking like okay and then I kind of got in this mindset where like if I'm not expending any energy if I'm not exercising then like I shouldn't be eating like I remember being in science class in grade 10 and like them explaining the body and like (laughs) calories and all that stuff and I was like well you don't need calories if you're not like going to spin class Mm -hmm. you know what I mean they Mm -hmm. were so fucked up but (laughs) um yeah that's and then I came in and like I I was very open from like that point onwards where I realized there was a problem. So you came into the kitchen crying. Yeah, and I was like, I think I think this is becoming too extreme. Like I don't know what's going on, but it was it's been such an up and down. Mm -hmm. Like they have been through so much stuff with me and eating disorders. Have you been to treatment before this for anything? No, I had been. So I had. Because I was away at school for, like, four years, and I just wasn't ready to face it. Like, mm-hmm. I just... It was such a coping mechanism for me with school, and I just... And it was a horrible coping mechanism, but, like, I couldn't really deal with it. And... Um, but it really hindered, like, my university experience, for sure. But... Um, yeah, I just, I'd seen, I saw therapists in the summer, but I knew, I think I knew when I came, 
I knew like before here I went to the Vancouver Coastal Health like eating disorders clinic and I explained my story to the therapist and she was like have you ever thought of residential treatment that was the first first words that came out of her mouth and my mom and I were like whoa that's like extreme like very extreme but I yeah. think it's like you said it's like I've been struggling with it for almost a decade and like you can't I don't think a weekly therapy is really like no. help that you know like think about how many calories you could ingest in a week yeah or or not mm-hmm. you know how many days yeah. you can go without food yeah um I'm wondering like when you say it hindered your experience at university, yeah. what, what do you mean? I just, like, I th- it really hindered, like, my ability to kind of form my own identity, I think. Mm-hmm. And I, my identity was very much detached to either being really good at school or, like, just doing school in general. Mm-hmm. Or going to the gym and, like, being skinny and trying to be this, like... I had this whole idea in go like from grade 12 onwards of like I'm gonna go to this school I'm gonna be so good at school I'm gonna be skinny I'm gonna be fit I'm gonna be like really fun I'm gonna and I just was like too extreme in all those ways everybody's gonna like me and I just crashed and burned like basically very hard it's it's always all or nothing it is so all or nothing there's no gray there's no gray matters (laughs) Yeah. yeah Wow. Okay. So, so then the therapist at the Vancouver Center said, "Have you ever thought about yeah. inpatient treatment?" Yeah. And you, you and your mom were there together. Yeah. And you were like, "What?" Yeah, we were really. So then, were you in denial about how maybe bad your problem was until that mo- moment, or? I saw where she was coming from for yeah. sure, but I was like, "There's no way I'm just gonna drop my life." And like, I was working at the time, and mm-hmm. like, I hated my job. Like, I was really struggling in my job, but like. I was like, there's no way I'm just going to stop and, like, not and do treatment. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Um, and it's not until the alcohol, like, mixed with the eating disorder and just me kind of going off the rails until I was like, I don't recognize myself whatsoever. Like, and I just saw it going downhill very quickly. And that's when I was like, okay, yes, we need to, like, treatment needs to be sought you talk more about your alcohol stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like I said, I, like, as a kid, I mean, as a kid in high school, like, starting the beginning of high school when everyone was drinking, I remember, like, being pretty timid around alcohol, actually, just because, like, my dad was an alcoholic, and I had mm-hmm. seen a lot of really bad things happen when alcohol was involved like mm-hmm. surrounding him and I always was kind of like I never want to look like like I never want to be like that so mm-hmm. I never was like a heavy drinker in high school but I definitely every time I drank like I was drinking to get drunk mm-hmm. I was never like oh I'm just gonna have a drink it was always like I'm going to a party I'm going to be I'm getting drunk yeah. and like that concept of and, like, my parents would kind of always be like, oh, do you want a glass of wine with dinner, like, later on and when I was, like, 18-ish? And mm-hmm. I would always say no because I was like, why would I just have a glass of wine with dinner? <laughs> like, I'll have the bottle and a straw. And they would have, like, this really nice, like, expensive bottle. And they'd be like, do you want to try some? And I would just be like, like, try? What? <laughs> Did they know that you were going to parties and drinking? Yeah, and it, they didn't notice, like, like, I didn't notice. They didn't notice anything. Like, alcohol really wasn't recognized as a huge issue until... Like, I mean, if I really look back on it, honestly, it was probably an issue starting, like, from when I noticed, like, some kind of abusive behaviors towards it, like, even before my friend passed away, but it just, like, really escalated Mm -hmm. at that point, and they didn't recognize it as a problem until, like, probably March of this year, so it was kind of a shock to everyone I think in a lot of ways but yeah I wasn't like I was definitely a part like I partied in high school and then in university like it was just normal to binge drink it was just what yeah you weren't the only everyone one. did and it was like I was never really the I, I think because I could handle so much alcohol like I was never puking I could always kind of like get my shit together even mm-hmm. if I was like very drunk I was never like even this like the few months ago that I was like consistently blacking out people wouldn't know I was actually blackout Mm -hmm. because I was still somehow 
had this like conscious. Yeah, I don't know. And, and you could, it's a talent. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you were able to like function while you were drunk. Yeah, function, but then put myself in really shitty, risky, situation. risky situations. Yeah. Um, and so. I so yeah binge like it was just a thing to drink and it was never really an issue like I was never really I always kind of had a control over it I knew I could handle a lot of alcohol I I would drink my like quite a bit of alcohol but always kind of come home and be like I know what I'm doing like I never blacked out there was no blacking out ever in university really at all um until I would say my friend passed away and then um that really like a lot there was a huge camaraderie around like people coming together and alcohol was always just involved when we came together and everyone was so upset and grieving um I mean we all were kind of like pretty heavy drinkers because we all were in university you know what I mean but for Mm -hmm. me like I really latched on to the drinking aspect of it because I was like I feel so like my eating disorder had spiked through the roof again right when that happened um, and I had noticed like kind of abusive behaviors, like I said, but it was really then that I was like, I don't care. I'm just going to drink cause I'm upset. And like, that was really, and then I remember like I went to Italy with my family and I was like secretively, I didn't even remember this, but like, I was like secretively drinking like during the day thinking like, Oh, I'm on vacation. It's fine. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I just always wanted a constant buzz and I could stop, like, I could go a few days or a few, like, a week or so without drinking, but I was always kind of seeking out that next opportunity to just, like, completely lose it, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So did you, even in the week or couple days that you weren't drinking, like, did you think of it regularly, or do you even know that if you were, like, conscious of... I don't think I thought about it regularly, like, I don't think I thought about it or, like, obsessed over it, because like I definitely obsessed over it I was always like obsessing over when I could drink next but it wasn't like that crazy obsession because I always knew there would be another opportunity and I always knew like there was no restraints you know I knew if I was going out I was having a drink beforehand and I was but I remember that like excitement of like oh I get to have a drink beforehand and like getting ready and listening to music and like Mm -hmm. having my having like what was probably like three gin and tonics Mm -hmm. and like hiding gin underneath my bathroom cabinet and I just like had this mentality I think also being home where it was like I felt like I was kind of a badass 16 year old again Mm -hmm. and it's like no you're 23 (laughs) which is still really young but like but it's not 16 it's not 16 and it was just like and you are drinking age it's legal yeah and it was just this kind of like secretive thing where I was and I think that's when my parents kind of noticed a bit too where they were like, my mom's like, I found a gin bottle underneath your bathroom. And I was like, oh, it's just so we don't get ours mixed up. You know, like, and it's like, no. So you had like the lying going on. And oh, yeah. A little bit of denial probably. Totally. But your mom actually said something. Yeah. Well, my friend was the first one to say something. Okay, yeah, that was my next yeah. question. Like, what? who was the first one that brought it to your attention? She was the first one to say something and she was like... She had kind of no. I mean, with social media and stuff too, like you always know when someone's out, right? So mm-hmm. she was noticing that like I was going out a lot, and it, I was like I was working kind of five days a week, really intense shifts, and then like the Friday that night I would get off, and I had Saturday off. Usually I would just like one hundred percent be going out. There was no way I wasn't drinking on that night, mm-hmm. and most of the time I was getting significantly drunk or blackout, like one of the two. Um, and so that, I think she kind of noticed that and, um, she, I remember we were like at dinner and she said something and she's like, I just want to make sure like you're okay and that you're kind of, and she's like, I don't mean to bring this up to, I mean, it's tough. Like I totally mm-hmm. get it. Cause it's such a touchy subject. And like, she was like, I don't mean to bring this up to like scold you in any way. And, and I'm just asking, cause like I'm concerned and I care about you, but like, are you okay with your drinking? Like, are you drinking, like, more so to just numb out how you're feeling with, like, work and everything that's happened over the past year? And I was very much, I think, in denial, and it was just 
I just like at that time it was the way I was managing things and like it was going okay you know I mm-hmm. have quotation mm-hmm. marks up everyone with <laughs> my hands but okay meaning not okay uh, yeah <laughs> and and I was like no I'm fine honestly like it's just a way I kind of like release my energy and stress from work and like it's not really that big of an issue you downplayed it yeah I did and then and then I just had a few nights of like going out being like okay yeah I'll be back like I'm just gonna have a few drinks and just like not coming home the next day like not coming home until the next morning right and and then like not really knowing what you did and not really knowing (laughs) what I did and like waking up with like bruises on my legs and being like when did I fall like I'm confused and Mm -hmm. that was just kind of like that was like a bit scary I think and it was just happening happening so consistently that it was just like okay this isn't normal like this and I couldn't that the thing is the scary part about it is like looking back on it now is like I couldn't not and if I Mm -hmm. did and if I did have those like I did have those few nights where I wouldn't and I would have like a drink, but mm-hmm. it sucked. Like I would be obsessing over it. And I was like, I don't understand. Like I just didn't understand the concept of like having two drinks. And I think my tolerance was so high, it would have like no effect on me. Yeah. I never had alcohol for the taste. Like yeah. I would drink anything. I don't care. Like I was just, you know? And it was like, whatever gets me drunk, I'm gonna drink it. There's no kind of, oh yeah, that one tastes really good. It was like, what's going to get me drunk the fastest? Or like if someone offered you a beer and you didn't like beer, you wouldn't say no. No. No way. (laughs) (laughs) No way. I have to commend your friend because um, I've never met your friend. She came and visited. I didn't didn't meet her. And and I think that that's amazing that somebody would be able to do that, to say that and bring that to your attention, even though when somebody is in addiction... Mm -hmm in an addiction um you get really defensive so mm-hmm. she took that risk mm-hmm. that you she, that yeah. you might have been really defensive yeah. so i'm wondering like in that moment like did you feel defensive or did you it is it the relationship where you felt comfortable like you, you denied it but and downplayed it maybe but but how did you actually feel when you were asked if you had a problem like i i don't like i think I was in so much denial that I wasn't even mad at her, really. Like, I wasn't mad. I was more so just, like, I get why, you don't, why you're, like, concerned and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, like, I'm fine. And it's just, like, the way I'm drinking right now. And it's not forever. And, like, it's okay. You know? I'm just coping right now. I'm just coping. It was yeah. totally, like, this isn't forever. I'm just coping. And it's okay. Like, don't mm-hmm. worry about it. Um, and, like, I agree with you that it's maybe a little bit out of control sometimes, but, like, it's actually okay. Just don't worry. Like, I got it. Don't worry about it. And then, um, and then this is, and, like, at the same time, my eating disorder was still just, like, getting worse and worse. And I was, like, still seeing a counselor and stuff. And, um, I remember we, like, went to go see the counselor. I went to go see the counselor with my mom as well. And mm-hmm. we, like, somehow alcohol came up. And she was like, well, how many drinks are you having? Usually, like, a week. And I was like, uh... <laughs> I don't know. I'm good at math, In- but I can't count infinity. that high. I was like... Infinity. As much as possible. Yeah. And I think I said something from, like, 10 to 15 or, I don't know, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And she was like, oh, okay. And my mom kind of looked at me and was like, what? Like... And then she sat me down, I think it was, like, in March, and she was just, like, I'm pretty concerned about your drinking if you're having 10 to 15 drinks. And, like, given family history and stuff, like, I just want you to be aware of maybe cutting back a bit. And I was just like, okay, yeah, I agree with you. And we had that conversation that that afternoon, and then I was going to my friend's birthday, and... I went and I was like I'm totally just gonna have three drinks like don't worry about it and then I didn't and that's when I kind of concluded a bit like well I had no control over that like once I started drinking I couldn't stop you thought you could have control because you tried to limit yourself to three yeah and you had probably nine or ten. Oh my god yeah and it was weird because it's like it's only in certain it was only in certain (laughs) situations the lights just went out (laughs) it was only like in certain situations where if it was like a party situation where everyone was actually kind of drinking to go like drinking to get drunk and go out yeah that i just like 
there was no I couldn't limit myself to that drunkness like I couldn't have five like that just wouldn't do it for me it was always like I need six seven and then if I'm having seven then like I might as well it was just such a like compulsive thing for me once I started drinking I was like obsessing over not drinking or I was just like trying to seek out as much as I could yeah that sounds exhausting yeah it was very exhausting and then and then towards the end it was very much like I was just such a wreck and I was really like I was such a wreck and I was just consistently drinking like we kind of had this thing with my family where it was like okay you know what you're a grown-up Maya like you hands because if they, my parents have tried so long to be like okay let's work together on this like how many drinks are you gonna have or what time are you gonna be home like we don't want to baby you but like let's just make sure you're safe and then it got to a point where I was like the only reason I'm drinking so much is because you're trying to control me and like, <laughs> so then you played the blame game. yeah and I was like that's just stressful and like if you just <laughs> try to control me so much like like I would be fine and so they trot so they're like okay Maya like <laughs> you do you and I remember like it was that time that that after that had happened where like I completely blacked out at my friend's birthday woke up like at someone's house was like what the heck just happened and then like came home and just I that I whenever I think about drinking again I always think about that feeling that I had and like calling my friend because my parents were away the one who like was with who was the first one to say something mm -hmm. and being like can you come over like I really need you to come over and just feeling so empty like oh my god I'm like what have I turned into kind of thing that's a good realization it was so wild. like uh, I think about it now and then I was just like oh, I need to get out of the city like I need to leave and yeah. So that's when you came here. Here I am. <laughs> yeah. So you, when did you come here? It was July, right? Yeah, I came here July. Um, yeah, July 11th was your admission date. Yeah. And now it's September 28th. Yeah. So you're a veteran here. I am a veteran. <laughs> I've been here a long time. Um, and like, what do you, what do you think about? yourself now like it's been I don't know how many weeks that is it's like 12 or 13 I know you've been counting <laughs> I actually haven't like I stopped you start counting. you start counting and then you kind of lose track I stopped I think I'm at 12 maybe okay. um so yeah I mean it's almost it's almost been three months yeah on the 11th yeah three months so so yeah like two and a half months um do you like you've come far is that what you feel in, in yeah, to like how I you think about yourself. It's hard to stuff. yeah, it's hard to like actually gauge my progress. Like I'm pretty hard on myself, so yeah. I'm always like I need people to kind of be like, wow, look, you did that, and like that's awesome. Um, my perception of kind of my like my surrounding my identity, and I very much so realized like coming in here that I was very attached to the idea of like needing to be this kind of like super fun capable perfect in every aspect like I said before it's like all or nothing mm -hmm. kind of thing um the first three weeks I was here I was still very much kind of in that place like I thought I was coming here to just kind of get a break I wasn't like I don't know. I just thought I'm, I didn't hit you. Yeah, I just thought like I've had a really shitty year and I just need a break and I need some I need to like get out of the city and I need to um, get some coping skills to deal with my eating disorder and like the alcohol will deal with itself when I feel better about myself kind mm -hmm. of thing. Um, and so you got here and you started binging. <laughs> yeah. So then I walked in the gate, the, the gates, <laughs> the doors, and I was like, oh, I'm going to be cured. And they took away the alcohol. I was shocked as to how much I actually was craving alcohol the first two weeks. Like when I got to two weeks of being sober, the first week was actually okay. The second week I was like, oh my God, I'm like, I, that's been the biggest shock since I've what been What were your here. triggers? Was it weekends? Was it um, stuff like that? It was 
just anxiety yeah. of like just being anxious yeah and it was just like i want to not feel this and i know that drinking will take it away and i think that's why i was binging and purging so much um and like i was saying to someone that drove me to like to a meeting the other day because i walked out and there was like that fall air mm-hmm. and i breathed it in and like that is so associated with me being like drunk on Halloween and like breathing in that air. Yeah. Like I, yeah. So you have a so I, I just like and, yeah, and it was just yeah. and I remember we had like karaoke one night. We had it twice, and the first time we had it, I was so, I was sitting there just like, I'm how never, do you do so? I'm karaoke. never gonna have a life again. Like this is gonna <laughs> suck, and I just like hate this so much, and I. Yeah, I'm was, never gonna think I can sing again. Yeah, I just I hated it so much, and then I did it again like a few weeks later, and I was like, I'm actually this is fun. I'm having fun. So you were able to have fun sober. Yeah, and that's that the first time you kind of realize that yeah. in a while. Yeah, for sure. Like I'm, I'm getting more in touch with like things I can do. Like I'm things I can do while sober that are way more fulfilling than like being drunk. Like having this conversation, for example. I'm just imagining. So I don't know if anyone knows what pickleball is. Oh <laughs> Why don't God. you explain pickleball? And then people can imagine us trying it drunk. <laughs> pickleball is like ping pong and tennis. It's very fun. If someone's newly sober, I recommend it as a recreational activity. Because you can't do it when you're drunk. Like, yes. It, it would be really dangerous. <laughs> yeah. So, and I also kind of realized I kind of act drunk half the time, like, anyway, <laughs> in general. Like, I don't really need liquor. <laughs> like, I'm the only one who really thinks they need it. I don't well, it's part of your identity now, I think. It's just yeah. you're goofy, and that's, yeah. okay, and that's okay. Yeah. You and know. I've always been goofy, but I don't yeah. know why I, like, thought I needed alcohol. Like, I didn't think I needed alcohol to be goofy. I just thought I needed to get rid of that feeling of anxiety, mm-hmm. which I still definitely have, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Um, it's less now and I'm better able to like manage it, Mm -hmm. but like, I still have, I mean, two days ago I was like in tears being like, I hate these feelings. Like I would be, I want to drink and it's not even like I want alcohol. It's just like, I don't want to feel like this and I know alcohol will take it away. Yeah. It's your, it's, it's your go-to. Yeah. It has been. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, when you're in recovery, you go like one step forward, two steps yeah, back sometimes totally. and you have a bad day where, you know, like you go to a lecture here about whatever it may be yeah. and you go in kind of not expecting what yeah. it's going to be like. It triggers some things. It brings some stuff up. Mm-hmm. Your anxiety skyrockets and you're kind of where you were when you came in. Yeah. You think, but you're really, mm-hmm. you're really not, but you kind of can, it's so easy for us to tell ourselves that um, we failed because we feel like this. Yeah, totally. And, like, I very much associated feelings with failure, mm-hmm. you know? And so if I had any feelings whatsoever, it was, like, I need to get rid of these yeah. in any way I can. And, like, it's so funny you said, oh, my gosh, like, being here for so long and then having a meltdown like I did a few days ago. And being like, oh, I can't believe I feel like this. Like, I can't believe I'm wanting to drink so bad. And this is so shitty. And like, Two and I'm a half not, months And in. I'm not getting better. And, yeah. like, I just am so overwhelmed. And I feel like a baby. But then looking at the facts and being like, okay, you know what? If I had, if this had happened, like, two and a half months ago when I first got here, I would have probably been binging and purging for, like, four days. And, like, I, had, I didn't engage in any of that behavior. What kind of things did you do that day instead of... Binging, purging, drinking. What did you do for self-care? I, the big thing for me now that I do, and I think I was so afraid of, of, like, being judged and being exposed when I first got here that I, like, really didn't reach out to people. Mm -hmm. But now I'm just, like, an open box. Because you had that, you had the therapist approach you, say you want to talk, and you said no at first. And then you went and sat with yourself for a yeah. little bit. And then you decided, yeah, I do. Yeah. So that was different. Yeah. Totally. Well, like, even before then, I had had a, like, prior meltdown that day. It was, like, three meltdowns. It was mm-hmm. a big day. But um, I like how you said it was a big day, not a failing failure day. Yeah. <laughs> and I, like, I 
had a really heavy we had like an open process group where we like talk about all our feelings and that was super heavy like stuff surrounding my friend came up mm-hmm. and I just like broke down in front of her after and then I went upstairs and found out my grandpa had just had another heart attack and my mom called me like very upset and then I just went instead of being like screw this I'm gonna go eat my feelings and throw them up I went directly downstairs to the therapist again and was like okay this is what happened and was talking to her and then I just like watched TV honestly and napped and then when I was feeling really unsteady again when I was like where am I gonna live and I was talking to the therapist and he was kind of like I don't know and I got angry and that's why I was like I don't want to talk and then I went to my room and just like bawled and I thought opposite action and then went and talked to him and was like so upset and but it was helpful like yeah reaching out is such an easy concept to think about mm-hmm. and say to do but when you're in the midst of it it's almost the hardest thing to do mm-hmm. and just the last get, thing getting used to it is is really hard and uh and i think that like for for the stuff that you're um struggling with with your house situation mm-hmm. um like you're trying to get into sober housing for mm-hmm. when you leave mm-hmm. that's kind of been like up and down and mm-hmm. you have I need to control things. This mm-hmm. is completely out of mm-hmm. your control. Exactly. So this is like a true test. Like this is what it's going to be like on the outside. Totally. Every day there might be something. And uh, like, do you feel like you'll be able to take those? I mean, we have aftercare. Yeah. But do you think that in in that moment you'll be able to to talk to your friend or to reach out to your mom or you know instead of do yeah. that? I think I'm so committed. Like. I kind of was saying to people, once you get to three, like when I went home last week and I was like, I'm almost three months sober now and I was packing up my things and it was really hard being Mm -hmm. home, but it was like, because I was realizing, oh shit, like I'm actually doing this. Like, I'm actually doing this recovery thing and like, I'm not coming back here. There's been so much time and money and like investment put into it. Mm -hmm that I can't see for, like, the foreseeable future going back to, like, the way things were. And I think that's what keeps me... Like, a big thing for me right now is I say to my parents, and, like, I say to... I'm like, I just want my cake. Like, I just want a year. And my whole thing is, like, I've talked with my therapist about it. It's, like, let's run the experiment. Let's do, the like, the steps. Let's do everything. And, like, let's really commit to being, like, okay, I'm going to be sober, and I have a problem, and... I'm going to work the steps, um, like the 12 steps, the 12 step program. Mm -hmm. And let's see where you're at in the year. And I mean, I'm already feeling the benefit of as shitty as it is sometimes to be like, Oh, I'm 23. And like, I'm in an AA meeting. I was telling, was it you that I was telling? No. Um, I like have that sometimes where I just get really angry and I'm like, it's Friday night and I'm in an AA meeting and this sucks. And like, I'm so upset. How did I get here? Kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, what's the alternative? Blacking out on a Friday night and like potentially risking my life. It's just, there's so much more benefit I get from this long term, which I have to consistently remind myself. But, and that's the part you yeah. probably feel like sucks too. Yeah. Is that this is, you know, it's a new thing, but it's hopefully for the rest of your life. Yeah. Or like, you know, take it seriously. And, and, and the fact that, it's not a disease that everybody your age has. Exactly. So you might have some friends that can go out yeah. and, and, you know, have a night and get a little rowdy or whatever yeah. and then and then be fine and then yeah. not do it for months and months and yeah. months and months. Not even think about drinks yeah. in, in between, but you're different and that must be hard too. Yeah. And, like, that's still honestly a pill that, like, I have to, like, re-swallow multiple times. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't know... I like I am so committed to that like just for today thing in NA because it's mm-hmm. just like the concept for me of never picking up a drink again just in general not even because I'm like anxious and want to drink it's just like because it's so part of society yeah it's really tough um but I just know with like my eating disorder and just the way things were before and how I like it how it affects my mental health long term it's like I know right now, I always just say, just for today, drinking is not an option from, like, drinking is not the best option from, is not possible for me. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just not going to benefit me in any way. 
So besides TV naps and pickleball, <laughs> yeah, oh my God. what yeah, other man. things have you what other things have you discovered about yourself in the last two and a half months? Um, I think a big thing for me that I've really gotten is I really enjoy like being around people here, mm-hmm. and I feel I like I'll be saying something to someone who's kind of going through. Everyone kind of goes through the same trajectory and treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, and after being here for so long, it's like you can kind of see that happen in other people. And having been in that position, you can. It's nice to like be able to help them. And I feel like I'm kind of able to relate to people in that way here, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so that human connection piece, yeah, that you probably hadn't had before. Yeah, and I just noticed I care more about like other people. That's a huge thing for me as well, and that's an aspect I think of sobriety. You're present. Yeah. It's like I'm not numbing myself out with, like, all these things. I'm actually able to, like, be be around people and care about what they think and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And And give back in a way. It totally, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I appreciate you. You appreciate me? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. You're fun. And, yeah, and I don't think that alcohol would make you more fun honestly i know be, well, we do well you haven't seen me drown we do that <laughs> and i don't want to yeah I, I feel like you know you're you're just you're good enough thanks and uh yeah i mean this is a hard thing to do i don't know i mean this was never something that i thought i would do either but certainly not at 23 i think it's yeah. amazing i think it's really responsible um i think that your friend is amazing for for like noticing and having the ability to point it out she was incredible she's incredible your mom's been through a lot yeah and she's also incredible it's also really nice to know that you have people in your corner because mm-hmm. i think that's a lot of times like for for um what's the word i'm looking for like relapsing mm-hmm. people that relapse sometimes they have people in their corner but most of the time they don't mm-hmm. and that's why um or they're just really good at hiding it. Yeah. So what kind of things, like, before we wrap up, what kind of things are you going to do to ensure that you, that you don't relapse or that you live your best life moving forward? Because, you know, you still have a lot, a lot of life to live, a lot of years ahead. Um, I think for me, honesty is a big one. Mm-hmm. And just ha- being like as brutally honest with myself as I can be, which I'm just starting to like. That's starting to happen for me. Mm-hmm. Um, like transparency. Yeah, just being super transparent and like, I I mean I'm so lucky to have the family and like friends that I have because it's like I was talking to my mom the other day and I just said like, it's really it's so much pressure. Just like there's so much money being like especially I think about the money and I just think about mm-hmm. the time like all the shit that I've put them through and it's like it's so much pressure to like perform almost like I see re- recovery as like being really good as like school as mm-hmm. being really good at, and it's and recover and the thing is I realize it's like recovery looks different for everyone so mm-hmm. but if I can be honest so if I like say I relapse if yeah. I'm honest that relapse doesn't have to lead to me like being blackout drunk for right. like months and months and months. You know what I mean? It's like if I'm being transparent and I'm being honest, hopefully I never get to a point where like I am relapsing. Have you like learned in any of your lectures about relapse rates, like statistics? I mean, there's a big thing that's relapse is a part of recovery. It's part of recovery. Yeah. And like I'm going to be honest, I really still struggle with the idea of oh my god I'm never gonna drink again mm-hmm. because like for me it escalated so fast and I never really had tried and st- tried to stop drinking until like three months before I came here like yeah. I almost feel like I didn't hit enough of a rock bottom to like never drink again in my life like mm-hmm. that's really how I feel but I'm also like hanging on so hard to like not drink it sounds like you have like a pretty realistic grasp of, of what it looks totally like. yeah and I mean, for people, even myself, that, that don't struggle with that, I find that, you know, people that don't understand might have really, really high expectations, which is a lot of pressure. Yeah. But yeah, being honest with the people around you, the yeah. people that, that love you and, and yourself, 
that's all you can do, it's right? Total, it's a day by day, day thing. by day. It's totally day by day, and it's just like, like I said, if I'm being honest, I can't imagine that. But like, just for today, I can imagine not drinking, mm-hmm. and like know that it's the best thing for me, and know that like engaging in in recovery and not engaging in my eating disorder is like the best thing I can do. And in like two weeks, you'll get your ninety days. Exactly, I get a nice. And what's it called? Like, it's called a chip. A chip. And or my tag or tag? No, it's a tag. A tag. You get a twenty-four hour chip. Oh yeah. Okay. And then you get tags. And we don't know what color the ninety day. I one think is. it's red. Maybe. I'll keep you posted. I haven't seen anyone here yet with it. Yeah, I, mean, I think <laughs> so I'll might, actually be the first. You one. Might, I would say you might be the first one. And that's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we should like think of a way that you can celebrate. I probably won't be here for that, but I expect a text Jenny. and uh, updates. Updates. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna come live with you anyway. So. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I have a new nanny, by the way, everybody. Yeah, it's me. <laughs> Don't call. afford you, but you live white horse. You might have Hit to me up. You might have to. <laughs> you might have to just work for like work for love. Because <laughs> I'll just work to be around you. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you have any? final thoughts you'd like anyone else to know about your struggle or your recovery or anything like that any shout outs do you want to do a shout out to your friends yeah shout out to liz she's awesome and i don't know you liz but i'm glad that you're in her life we love liz she's sick right now so hope you feel better hope we feel better shout out to your mother shout out and my mom and my stepdad and my brother and just Good people. Shout out to Jenny. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I just wanted to say that I'm really proud of you, and I'm really glad that I got to know you. Me too, Jenny. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> I'm so happy you came here. Yeah, me too. And um, yeah, it's not much longer that we get to giggle and hang out together, but yeah. but that's the. The beauty of social media that we'll be able to take totally. keep in touch and um, i'm trying actually not to be on social media as much because I know that's actually like one of those things that can create anxiety and depression oh, totally <laughs> i deleted my instagram and like everything Good. Right when I Good. Yeah, yeah i mean i, I got say. it back but like i rarely check it now i usually just go on um just to throw these down and, and to like oh, advertise that's, it that's good but yeah, if I see if I see things, I'm really good at, at just shutting it down because mm-hmm. it's not worth it. It's mm-hmm. not worth it because yeah, I am one of those people too that kind of spirals down into a depression when I mm-hmm. see totally fake book and how people mm-hmm. portray their lives when totally. deep down you know that it's not really yeah. what they are putting up there. But at the same time, like don't put it up there. Yeah, and that's something I've really like been realized since being here too. It's really like, it actually doesn't really matter, though, is what I've realized while I'm here. Like, when I look at Instagram and stuff, mm-hmm. I'm like, that's not actually fulfilling in any way. And that sounds super cheesy, but I'm just, like, posting a good picture of yourself where you, like, look good. But no is one it, knows that that's the 90th photo. Yeah, it's like, I would rather sit down. Yeah, and then, it's like, I'd rather sit down and have a conversation about what's actually going on in my life. So you've learned while you're here, and I have too, like just different things that you can do. Like we've done so many things. Like we do art, we do mm-hmm. gardening, we do music, yeah. poetry. Knitting. We, yeah, you've learned how to do that. Knit. And there's like, so you're kind of finding a new identity here. Totally, yeah. And so that'll make you feel better about yourself when you do have those urges outside. Yeah. When you're, you know, you breathe in the air and it reminds you of getting drunk on Halloween and stuff. Yeah. Like all those, all those triggers. It's so sad. And, uh, <laughs> Well, no, it's being honest, and that's part of being honest <laughs> yeah. with yourself, right? If yeah. you don't know what triggers you, yeah. you're going to be right back where yeah, you were. totally. So, yeah, so anyway, um, all the best. And Thanks, I can't too. wait to see a picture on <laughs> text, not social media, of your next tag. I might Instagram that, but thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. And just another thanks to Maya for her honesty and her willingness to spend part of her Saturday night with me. I love you so much. If you have a story to share, contact me at thegraymatterspodcast at gmail.com or go to my website, thegraymatterscom.wordpress.com or follow me on Twitter at thegraymatters4. I'd love to hear your story. Till next time, take care of yourself and remember, you are not alone.